Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy our teaching time with our special guest speaker. Welcome, everybody. You guys been enjoying our study through 1 John? You guys being blessed by that? Well, we're in chapter 4. I'm going to ask you guys to turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at the first part, verses 1 through 6. So Don preached last week, Don Stubbs from Off the Wall, Ohio. Um, he, he preached out of chapter 3. Oh, just missed the kids. Oh, Children. <laughs> You do not have to listen to me. All right, we have Junior Church, uh, just missing the children down, um, I've never done this before, age, uh, what is it, kindergarten through fifth grade, yes, I'm the youth pastor, I should know when youth group starts. Um, we have a lesson for them at their level, they can be dismissed, uh, we ask if you do have children in here that they not be a distraction, um, if they do, we have a screen uh, with my face on it in the lobby if you want to hear me out there. All right. Um, So Don, as I was saying, Don preached last week. He preached out of chapter three. And so John, in this book, he is writing to believers. He's writing to Christians. And he's, it's a short book. And he seems to be going all over the place, but focused on one thing, the love and care for believers to be in the sound doctrine um, of Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, John is communicating his fear that his, the readers have this lack of love for one another. So chapter 3 is all about this lack of love. He's, he's spurring them on to love. And then we get to the end of chapter 3, spilling over into chapter 4, and we see that John fears the spiritual deception infiltrating the church or the body of Christ. And he has the, the, this list of tests, these litmus tests. You guys ever heard the phrase a litmus test? So a litmus test is actually, it's a chemical test to test if something's a, um, what is it? A, uh, what's that? An acid or a base. Very good. All right, we got smarter people in here than me. Um, to test if something is acid or base, it's like, um, you know those tests, if you have a pool, you can see how much chlorine or chemicals are in it, and you can see, oh, it's safe for me to jump in, or this will melt my skin. Um, but that, so you can put this chemical on this little piece of paper, this litmus test, and it'll turn blue if it's one thing, or it'll turn red if it's another. It's a test. And oftentimes, this, this idea of a litmus test it, 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 it refers to how we're doing in certain things, like a litmus test for my relationship with my wife. Like, how is my marriage doing? Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? We have a bunch of tests out there for our IQs. How smart are we or how not so smart are we? Um, there's tests out there for all kinds of things. And John here in this passage leading up to this and all throughout John, he has this, these litmus tests, these tests to... Um, to show us if we are followers of Jesus Christ or not. So in chapter, in chapter 2, verse 3, we see that John says, by this we know that we have come to know him. 
All right? He's making a statement. By this we know. And what is the test? He says, we keep his commandments. Chapter 2, verse 5. By this we know that we are in him. And the test, verse 6, walk in the same way in which he walked. Chapter 3, verse 10, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. The test, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one that does not love his brother. Chapter 3, verse 16, by this we know love. The test, he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Chapter 3, verse 19, by this we shall know that we are of the truth. The test Verse 18, love in deed and in truth. And then we get to the verse directly preceding our our passage, chapter 3, verse 24. And we have this, this statement, by this we know that he abides in us. Talking of the Spirit, talking of God's presence in us. And the test is by the Spirit whom he has given us. And then chapter 4 continues this litmus test, this test of the Spirit. And he contrasts. We have the Spirit of God and we have the Spirit of Antichrist. But why is it important to do this test? Why is he calling us as believers to test? It's because there's a lot of false teaching out there. There's a lot of false doctrine. There's a, the devil is out there deceiving. He's doing the same thing he's always done since the garden. He is out deceiving, not just unbelievers, but people that say they believe in Jesus, that believe in God. So something we need to realize is we are at war constantly. It's always been this way. It will always be this way. We are at war. It's not a physical war, but it's a spiritual war. I'm going to have on the screen, but if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. Paul says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. He's saying we're human, we're physical. Everything we know is physical. But he says we're not warring against, it's not a physical battle. This is spiritual then he continues in verse 4, For the weapons of our, war- of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power. Weapons have divine power. This is not physical, but immaterial. So what are these divine weapons? Well, if you actually, if, if you consider Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, which we'll put on the screen as well, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, Paul is talking about the armor of God. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Again, this is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. And then if we are to continue reading, we see what this armor of God consists of. It's truth, righteousness, gospel, faith, salvation, word of God. These are all intangible things. We're not We're not picking, we're not forging metal 
enchanting that metal and then going up against Satan. No, this is, this is a spiritual war. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, the word of God. This is a spiritual battle that we are all engaged in whether we realize it or not. So back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. So again, the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to what? Destroy strongholds. And then he continues, and we see what these strongholds, what are these spiritual strongholds? It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Strongholds. The Greek word for for arguments in verse 5 is is this Greek word, logismos. It means ideas. It's an ideology. It's viewpoints. It's belief systems. And people are fortified in their own belief systems And those belief systems are against God. That's why we go up against them in this spiritual war. We go with them with the truth. This is a battle for the hearts and minds of people. We are trying to to open their eyes. We We don't open their eyes, but we're trying to put the truth in front of them so that the Holy Spirit can open their eyes to the truth. These people are fortified in systems that are against God, or you could say anti-God. And John, in our passage, and all throughout the the book of 1 John, he uses this term anti-Christ. Anti-Christ. Now, when we think anti-Christ, we often think of the prophecies of the one that will come, and and he will be called the Anti-Christ, capital A. But currently, in this world, we have a lot of anti-Christs, little a. These are... These are beliefs, these are ideas, these are people that are communicating um, things that are against God, against his character, against his word. These are antichrists. And, and the fact of the matter are, is, before we were saved, before we had the Holy Spirit, we were antichrists. We were against God. The Bible talks about how we were enemies of God at one point. And he saved us. And he, and he imparted the Holy Spirit on us as, as a guide, as a comforter, as one that seals us. And now we are to fight so that others can be set free in this spiritual battle. They are fortified in their ideological fortresses. I was listening to, a po- I listen to podcasts all the time. Um, it helps me understand how people think because I'm often, I'm in this Christian, I'm not in this bubble, but I'm surrounded by Christians who think like me, who talk like me, who raise their families like me. So I was watching, I was listening to a podcast and um, this guy has on people, famous people, people from different walks of life, but different experiences, and he just asks some questions. And he had this guest on and they were talking about what gives them purpose, what gives them drive, what what causes them to have focus in life. And um, they made these statements, and it was like, wow, this is how, these are the ideological fortresses that people build. Um, They said, whether it's football, chess, or Jesus, we need to focus on that and find fulfillment and know we are not losers. And then the guest on the show was talking about how he has a painting in his house, um, his wife bought it. It's just in his house, and it's a, it's a Buddhist painting, and it has this statement. 
It says, may you realize your own divinity in this lifetime. And this guest said it took him till he was high one day that his eyes were open to what that meant for him. And he said, don't wait to drop dead to realize you were a god all along. And he, and he continued talking, chased after what fulfills you. Don't wait till you drop dead to realize that you were a god all along. These are those ideological fortresses that we are in spiritual battle against. These are the, the lies of the devil. These are the deception of the devil. And he, he, he wraps truth with lies. He's, all, he's constantly deceiving. He's constantly putting the truth and mixing lies and, and taking God's plan and totally perverting it. So if you look at 2 Corinthians again, verse 5, what is our responsibility as Christians as we wage this war against this darkness, against this state of mind? What, what is our responsibility? It says, verse 5, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. John 8, 31 through 32 says this, if you abide in my word, You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abide in Christ. The truth comes from God. The truth comes from God's word. We can't pervert it. We can't can't misrepresent it. And all throughout Scripture, you see people warning against false prophets in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, people warning against false teachers. Peter dedicated an entire letter to this, Second Peter, about, about false teachers. Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, warns against false teachers. Paul, throughout all his letters, you can see all his letters to the different churches, he's talking about false teachers. He's warning people. The same is true today as it was yesterday. There are a lot of false teachers. There are a lot of people that have been deceived. They say they believe in Jesus, but their idea of Jesus is very different than what the Bible teaches what the Bible communicates. Many believers are deceived. He's cunning. You can't just say, I believe what John Buckley believes. I believe what Spencer believes. You can't just say, well, what he believes is what I believe. Because we're human. We're fallible. But this is the truth. We need to go to God's word to get our truth, to know why we believe what we believe. Matthew 7, 22 says, Many will go before God and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do things in your name? And it says he will, he will cast them out and say, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. There's a lot of people that think that they're, what they're doing is for Jesus, in Jesus' name, for God, but they are deceived because their idea of Jesus is not what the Bible portrays. So we are at war. A war is raging over truth and error. In war, you need to know who is friend or foe. So this is what, if we go back to our passage, 1 John chapter 4, John is laying out how we identify our friend from foe. And he lays it out in this test of the Spirit. Let's go ahead and read verse 1 in our passage. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit 
to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test, test the spirit. I believe we have a slide for, um, maybe not, test the spirit. So there's, there's a Greek word, it's called doximazo. So this is that idea of test. I gave it to Luca, it was funny. He's like, when, I, when, I, when you sent me your notes, I don't know what happened, but this came through, it was like Russian or something like that. I was like, I was like oh, let's look at that. And I was like, no, that's actually Greek, that, that, was, that was right. And he's like, oh, okay. But we are to test Test, this, this, this Greek word means to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether something is genuine or true or not. Before I was in ministry, I had a lot of different jobs as I was paying my way through college or seminary. And my last job before I was with Off the Wall, I was a machinist. I, I knew nothing about, you know, parts or metals or whatever. I was just thrown into this job and I learned as I went. And... As a machinist, you're working with different metals. They have, they're made up of different components that makes them best in certain situations. You have cheap parts that if you're just generically doing something, that's fine. They have expensive parts that, you know, they're expensive for a reason. Um, some customers required a material test report. So we would actually make extra parts. If they ordered 20, we would make 25 or whatever. And we'd send five, out, five parts out to be tested. All right, and they would, put, they would put these parts through pretty strenuous tests. They would test to see what metal that we said it was supposed to be. Is it really that uh, metal? They would actually, uh, we would make these bolts and they would put them in this machine and they would see how much pressure it took before it would break, before it would totally just either, you know, like a piece of licorice just come apart or pop and come right apart. But the customer needed to know, is this part going to... Um, operate like we want it to uh, for the application that we are using it. So we made parts for a company that, that put these parts at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, so the ocean is uh, salt water, right? So lots of salt. So water and salt on a metal is very corrosive. So we had this metal called Hastaloy that, that was very good for, you know, sea applications. So... It, and I forgot this. I had a, a really cool bolt, something I could put in front of you and be like, okay, I have something for you to look at. But I don't have that. But let's say I had two bolts, and one was steel, just plain old Jane, regular steel, and one was Hastaloy, all right? They look the same. They feel the same. If you lick it, they probably taste the same. I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I never, I never did that. Uh, you see me in the corner just like licking. Um, but they're very similar. They, they have the same thread pitch. They look the same. They would go on the same. But they are very different. If you put them both in that underwater application, one will deteriorate very quickly and compromise whatever it is holding together. So and we have a slide for this. What are we to test? What are we testing? Let's look at verse 2 and 3 of our passage it says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is a spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. So what are we testing? We have the Holy Spirit. All right, so he's pitting these two. He's contrasting these two. The Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit from God which is the spirit of truth. And he's pitting that against the spirit of Antichrist, 
the spirit from the world, false prophets, the spirit of error. And he has this Christological argument. He says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That is the spirit from God, the spirit of truth. And he says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. The spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of error. Now, when he's talking about um, confessing Jesus, he is, he, he is referring to believing that Jesus is as the scripture portrays him to be. Not just what you want him to be. So I had that illustration of the two bolts. Let's say I have two random people come up here. All right, they look the same. They're made of flesh and bone. They have a heart that pumps blood, that keeps them alive. We have a brain that thinks. But one is a Christian and one is not. It's hard to know unless we test. Just like we test these parts to see, is this what it says it is? Will it work under the application that we are putting it in? We are called in this passage by John to test the spirit within our brothers and sisters in Christ. Those that say they are followers of Jesus Christ. So how do you know if something is a lie? I just want you to think about it. How do you know if something is a lie? We know the truth. So if something is truth, we know what are lies. So we used to play this game in college, um, two truths and a lie. And we would say something about ourselves and people had to guess what was the lie. So I'm going to play two truths and a lie with you. All right. When I was born, I was pigeon-toed. And I, had, I was like this. And I had to wear these metal shoes that had a metal bar between to help correct that. All right? Truth or lie? Who knows? I also, my foot, you know, everybody's toes go out like this. Well, my pinky toe never touches the ground. It rests on top of the toe next to it. It's like a superpower thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I think it's the coolest thing. And people are weirded out. I just flick my foot in front of their face. So my pinky toe never touches the ground. All right. I played a lot of soccer growing up, and for some reason, my right arm was very fragile, and I broke it in a couple places on a couple, couple different occasions while playing soccer. All right. So what was truth and what was a lie? I gave you two truths, and I gave you one lie. Is there any way that you can know what is truth and a lie? Take my shoe off. There is. There is kind of, Yes. But I'm not going to take my shoe off. You're not going to know. No, you're going to have to guess, right? You're going to be like, ah, let's say your toe, because that's kind of freaky. Um, so, but actually, the lie was my arm breaking. I actually have only broken one bone, and that was my finger. And I wore a cast all the way to my elbow for a broken finger. I don't understand that, but that's what they did to me back then. So, the only way for you to know what was a lie in that situation was to know the truth. So if I'm up here and I'm talking about Jesus Christ and I'm talking about who he is and what he came to do and, and about what he accomplished on the cross, how are you going to know what is truth and what is a lie? Through the word of God. This is our guide. If I'm up here making stuff up or I'm portraying Jesus as something else than what the scripture portrays, you need to know that. You need to, you need to be able to identify that. We have this book, this guide that tells us this is who Jesus was, this is what he accomplished, this is what it means for us. And John is warning us in this passage. He says, test 
the Spirit, because there's a lot of people out there communicating something that is not true. They're communicating false doctrine on Jesus, on the Godhead, on salvation, on the gospel. There's so much truth wrapped up in these lies. Satan has been doing this since the beginning. He is the great deceiver. He is the one that is fueling these, these false ideas about God, this spirit of antichrist. And we as Christians are called to be able to identify what is truth and what is error. All of us test the spirit. Matthew seven fifteen through 20 says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. The test, the proof lies in the fruit. How do you know what is good fruit or bad fruit? We're talking spiritually here. Through the Bible, through the scripture. And God has given us the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us understand, to help us discern this can be frustrating sometimes because the spirit is not a visible thing. We're talking, you know, if I had those parts, you could see, you could actually test physically. But we're talking about spiritual tests. We're talking about a, a spiritual being within us. So I was, I don't know what day it was. It was Monday or Tuesday of this past week. But anybody, the, the wind, you know, anybody experienced the high winds the other day? It was, it was crazy. Like it was whistling through the windows I opened the door, which was a mistake because the door just swung open and, and hit the wall really hard. But the wind was pretty intense. There was a, I have like two trees with leaves in my backyard. And before the sun went down, it had leaves. The next day, there were no leaves because the wind was just whipping. It was kind of, it wasn't Halloween. I think it was after Halloween, but it was spooky because I'm like, my house was quiet. My kids were in bed, thank Jesus. And it was quiet, but then the wind was rushing. Or, um, rushing? Well, I don't know what that... <laughs> it, was, it was whipping or something, I don't know. And then, like, I get... The, you ever get that alarm on your phone, that emergency, just, like, blare? So I'm, like, looking outside the eerie, hearing the whistling. It's kind of freaky. And then, bah, my, my phone screams at me, flood warning! So I was like, it was a little eerie. But, so the wind, we can't see the wind, but we can see the effects of the wind. That tree had leaves, and then it didn't have leaves. The Holy Spirit is a lot like that. It's, it, the Holy Spirit works in a supernatural, invisible way, but the results are extremely visible. What are, what are the results of the Spirit in our life? Repentance, hatred of sin, seeking forgiveness, belief in the gospel, a love for the Lord Jesus Christ, a love for our fellow man, our neighbor, a longing for obedience, joy in our trials. There's a lot of things that Scripture lays out, these fruits of the Spirit, these things that are like, oh. You ever, you ever run into somebody, you never met them before, and, you're, and you, you hear them say something, or you see how they interact with their family or kids, and you're like, that person might be a Christian. That's because we can, we're, we're testing the Spirit in them. We, we can see these visible results of the Spirit inside of us. Sure, we sin. Sure, we mess up. But we have this Romans 7 mentality that, that, that Paul lays out. He says, I do things I don't want to do, and it bothers me. That's conviction. 
That's evidence of the Holy Spirit. Satan is the deceiver. Deception is always present as it is from the beginning. Don't blindly, fo- don't blindly follow someone if they just put the name of Jesus on something or they talk about Jesus. I have, I think I have time. So Jesus must be properly understood. We, we laid out what are, the, what are we testing and it's this Christological test. It's who are you confessing? Who are you following? But there's a lot of people out there that are saying a lot of good things about Jesus that are communicating this message that if you don't know the scriptures, you can easily be deceived. So what do you believe about Jesus? So let's just talk about Jesus. You, have the, you ever heard the, the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ? Any of you ever heard that? It's this theological term. It's basically saying, um, how does God's divinity and his humanity come together in one being? How does that work? What, how, that's the hypostatic unit. How, do, how does that work? So there's a lot of views out there, and this is something that Christians have been wrestling with since the beginning. Or not wrestling with, but trying to understand and wrap your head around from the beginning. So let's say anything that is spirit is good. God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God's a spirit, so anything that's spirit must be good, right? Um, We're sinful. We live in this sinful world. The world is physical. So let's say um, anything physical is, is sinful. So Jesus came to this earth. He, he only appeared to be human. He wasn't really human, right? Thank you. Thank you. You're testing me. Wrong. What are the implications of this? If he was to be the substitute who dies in our place, he must be human. This is actually something back in 450, um, the year 450, there was, this, there was this council. It was called the Council of Chalcedon. And all of the... the um, Religious leaders during that time met in this place because they were not seeing eye to eye. They, they weren't on the same page and they wrestled over this and they put down, this is what we've collectively come to understand about the hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. It took them a month. We're talking about the top religious leaders during that time. It took them a month to kind of wrestle through that. But they were testing each other. They were putting their ideas up against scripture. Jesus was fully man and fully God. In one being, he was born of a virgin. He experienced hunger. He experienced being tired, being exhausted. He experienced the cross. Why? Because he was our substitution. He was our, the one that, that bore the wrath of God. Okay, so that's Jesus. So now let's talk about the Trinity. How does the Godhead work? All right, so let's say there's one God, right? There is only one God. We all agree on that. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's only one God. How does that work? Okay, so the way I make that work is God can be the Father, and then he can be the Son, and then he can be the Spirit at different times, but never all three at the same time. That sounds good, right? Wrong. Thank you. Wrong. This is called modalism. And there's a lot of evidence against that. When Jesus was being baptized, John, um, John the Baptist, he is, he's dunking Jesus, right? God the Father is speaking, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit is descending like a dove onto Jesus, inaugurating his earthly ministry. They were all three present in one 
at one time. Right? Genesis 1.26, God said this, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Do you guys see how we can get way off in these little details? I believe in one God, but how can he be these three? You got to know God's word. All right, let's talk about salvation. We talked about Jesus, we talked about the Godhead. Let's talk about salvation now. There's a lot of views out there about salvation. How do we test this? How do we figure out what is a message from Antichrist? All right, so God is love, right? Can we all agree on that? God is love. So how can he send people to hell? If he is love, he can't send people to hell. The death of Jesus redeemed all of fallen humanity back into a right relationship with him. So I believe everybody's going to heaven. I don't think there's a hell. It's all figurative. Right? Wrong. (laughs) Thank you. Wrong. So there's a couple men that I look up to that I want to quote from. First, Joel Olstein said this, Jesus is the way. (laughs) Jesus is the way, but there are many roads that lead to Jesus. Carlton Pearson, I didn't know who this was, but he was in the 90s, he was... um, he led a church of like 6,000 people um, in the 90s. And he said this, Every human being in history of the planet was created in the image and likeness of God. Okay, that sounds great. God sees himself in everybody, in every belief system. Jesus is the open door through which all humanity accesses God, including Buddha and Muhammad and Gandhi. We all go through the same door to access God. I hope red flags are just flailing when you hear these things. Test. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says this, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to Jesus. (laughs) Nice, okay. No, it says this, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. The sad thing is, people think they're following Jesus. People think they're following God. And they have been deceived. And God has appointed us to test the spirit that is within these people. Are these, is this a spirit of Antichrist? Is this of the devil? Or is this the Holy Spirit? The sad part about you know, we're talking about, you know, this, this idea of salvation is called universalism, if you care to, to know. And this idea of universalism, of everybody is going to heaven, is often communicated at funerals. 99% of every funeral, universalism is there with the person that is talking about the deceased and talking about him. You ever heard the phrase, well, heaven earned another angel today? First of all, we don't become angels when we die. Secondly, how, what it, how do you know that we're in heaven or hell? Measure that to scripture. Now, I'm not saying go to the funeral and say this person's in hell today. No. <laughs> that is not a good idea. <laughs> what you do is you present people. People at funerals are thinking about their eternity. They are seeing a life that they knew that was there and that is now gone. And they are presented with where am I going to go when I die? What is, what is after this life? That's when you present to them the truth the hope in Jesus Christ. 
All right, let's talk about one more. Let's talk about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. All right? So the financial blessing and physical well-being is the will of God for us. He wants us to be blessed. Right? He wants us to be blessed. Faith, positive speech, and giving generously to UPCC will increase your material wealth because Jesus loves you and wants this for you. Red flags! This is the prosperity gospel. If you just give of yourself, God will physically bless you. This is a very carnal, earthly riches, worldly, self-focused mentality, and that's not what the gospel is all about. When you think of the apostle Paul, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. He's just, he's bouncing back and forth. He's doing all these things for God. He's encouraging believers. He's pointing out their sin. And he's all over the known world during that time. When you, when you like hop in a boat to get somewhere and you get on a donkey or you just walk. He's all over the place. He, and it says that the, the thing that dominates his mind is the care for the churches. There's no prosperity gospel with Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, this great great missionary for the cause of Christ. He was shipwrecked. He was often in danger. Everywhere he went, he was in danger. He communicates in in, uh, chapter 11. He says this, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. That's not the prosperity gospel. If we follow Jesus, sure, we could have comforts, but life's going to be hard. We're going to go through trials and tribulation. Does that mean God doesn't love us? No. Does that mean we're doing something wrong? No. There's a lot of people that say that that mix truth with lies. We talked about Jesus. We talked about the Godhead, truth with lies. We talked about salvation and the gospel. There's a lot of false doctrine out there that sounds really good. There's a lot of cults that believe in Jesus. The Mormons, they believe in Jesus. They believe Jesus to be the spirit brother of Lucifer. And that Jesus, that he reached this godhood status and we can all reach that that status. We can all become gods. They believe in Jesus. But we need to believe in Jesus the way the Bible portrays him to be or else we are believing the spirit of Antichrist. The work of the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus Christ. Verse 1 in our text, test the Spirit to see whether they are from God. Test, test, test. John fears spiritual deception infiltrating the body of Christ. This is something that, that was, that is, and will always be until Christ comes again. We will always be called to test. Test the Spirit Let's go ahead and look at verse 4 through 6, 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to see truth is from God. Truth is from God. Verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Excuse me. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The true work of the Holy Spirit points people to the Bible, points people to the truth. People who are not true believers resist sound doctrine. 
It does not make sense to them. If we are from God, that means the truth is found in us. Truth is from God. It is in his word. So I want to give you a little illustration. So we're talking about testing the spirit. Is this from God or is this not from God? We're talking about truth. We're talking about somebody that says they follow Jesus and this is what he is and this is what the truth is and testing that. So I work with teens. I work with young adults. So I have to be, I have to be hip with it. I have to understand what's going on in the culture, the pop culture. My, my students are shaking their head at me. That's such a dad phrase to say, isn't it? <laughs> I have to be up to date with pop culture, right? I have to know what is, what is, what is being placed in front of our, our teens, uh, in front of this, this next generation. What are they being exposed to? What, what ide- ideologies are being placed in front of them? Again, we're referring back to that 2 Corinthians passage of these fortresses. What fortresses of, uh, what beliefs are they fortifying themselves in? We have to know this. So I, I love music. I love all kinds of different genres. Um, but there's, there's a lot of artists I just, I really don't like. I listen to their music, and it, it's, you know, you go on Spotify, and there's the word explicit next to it because it's sinful. It's, it's got curse words in it. It's got just, just vile, vile things in it. So I, I, I don't enjoy listening to that kind of music, so I don't listen to that kind of music. So a friend of me came up to me, and he said, so have you listened to Kanye's new CD, Kanye West? I was like, no, I don't listen to Kanye West. His music is, is pretty, pretty grotesque. Um, and he said, no, you should really listen to his new CD. It's called Jesus is King. And I was like, oh, man, here we go. So, so I'm, before I even listened to the CD, I didn't want to waste my time. It's like 30 or 40 minutes long. I didn't want to waste my time. So I went on, when somebody recently releases a new CD, or comes out with a new movie, they go on this press tour and they put themselves out there so that people know, hey, I just released something, you should go see it. So I watched these videos and my spirit started to test Kanye, started to test what what is this guy saying? How does it match up to scripture? How does it match up with the truth? He said Jesus is king, that's truth. I, I believe in that, but what does he say? What is he communicating to people? So I started to 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 watch these video after video of him, and he's on, the, he's on these late-night talk shows, and he says to this one host, um, the host is like, so what do you do when your kids go to bed? I think he has, like, four kids. He's like, what do you do when your kids go to bed? Um, he's like, you're a, you're a hip-hop artist. You must just go party in the clubs and stuff. And, and Kanye's like, no, my wife sits in bed and watches Dateline, and I read the Bible. And the, and the late night talk show host is like, nah, you don't, you know, Jesus, you just say, and he's like, nah, I, I, I just, I read the Bible. So I'm like, okay, I go to the next video, recommended by YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going down the list. My spirit is testing. I'm intrigued because our young people are seeing this. They're listening to his music. So I go down the next video. Kanye's talking about how he's asking everybody. He has this choir involved in his, in his album, and he, he asked everybody to abstain from sex outside of marriage. He says it's against God, and it's what the Bible teaches. I'm like, that's not really what secular hip-hop artists communicate. And then his wife is a Kardashian. So I, I, I've never watched an, an episode of, of Meet the Kardashians in my entire life. But I watched this YouTube clip, so maybe I did watch a little bit of it. So... On this clip, Kanye West is talking to his wife, and he says, 
I don't really want you to dress immodestly in public anymore. I, I don't think that's right. <laughs> what? So I go to the next YouTube video. And it's just this video after video of him testifying and, and revealing the spirit that is inside of him. And to be honest, like, I'm still testing him. I'm waiting for him to be like, nah, this was a joke. I was just trying to get more followers. But, but he's standing up for something that is very anti what his industry is all about. So how would that help him? I'm testing him. I'm testing him. He spoke out against abortion. He talks about disciplining his kids. In one of the interviews, I, I thought I had him. I was like the Pharisees listening to Jesus. I'm like, I'm going to find fault in this guy. I'm going to get something. I'm going to place it on my, my Facebook and everyone's going to know. <laughs> I'm watching this interview and a curse word slips out. I mean, he used to just sling him out. And he, you could see in his face, he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I try, I, I'm working on it, but I, I, I don't, I'm not about that anymore. I'm like, What? This is kind of, if you go to his, his, his Spotify, every song, explicit, explicit, explicit. We're talking about last year, all the way back to like 2004. Explicit, explicit, sinful, awful, grotesque. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to the CD. So I listen to the CD. And let me just read you some of the lyrics. This is on his hands-on song. It says, I, will never, I was never new till I knew of the true and living God, Yeshua, I'm not going to wrap it. You guys are disappointed. <laughs> I'm like, I was thinking about getting my snap back and just standing up here. <laughs> no, it continues. And listen to the lyrics, because this is him communicating his heart. He says, I deserve all the criticism you got. If that's all the love you have, that's all you got. To sing of change, you think I'm joking. To praise his name, you ask what I'm smoking. Yes, I understand your reluctancy, but I have a request, you see. Don't throw me out, or don't throw me up. Lay your hands on me. Please pray for me. And then on his closed on Sunday song, he says, raise your sons, train them in the faith. Through temptations, make sure they're wide awake. Follow Jesus, listen and obey. No more living for the culture. We nobody's slave. Even if I take this walk alone, I bow down to the king upon the throne. My life is his. I'm no longer my own. I pray to God that he'll strengthen my hand. Wow. That's change. That's awesome. I will continue to test, and only time will show. And we can test, and we don't truly know someone's heart, but I'm testing his spirit, and I'm seeing somebody that, that's following God. I see a 180. That's awesome. That is what we are called to do. We are called to test the spirit in people. When they say they follow God, when they say they love Jesus, the tests start coming. And we need to base our, our testing off of the truths we find in God's word. In conclusion, I want to read to you the passage that I had Ray read. Um, for, uh, 2 John Verses 7 through 11. So my point again, we are at war. Test the spirit. Truth is found from God. My frustrations with Christians um, are primarily for their lack of pursuit of truth. We as Christians are very gullible. We are lazy when it comes to pursuing the truth. 
And that is super frustrating. Because we say we represent God and then we'll be representing an idea of God and it's so far from scripture, we're actually entertaining the spirit of Antichrist. 2 John, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an Antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have for what we have worked for but may win a full reward everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have god for whoever abides in the teaching has both the father and the son if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching do not receive him into your house or give him a greeting for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works i want us to realize The battle is always there. The battle is always changing, but the war is the same. Put God first. Put his armor on. Fight to destroy these ideological strongholds that that, that have entrapped people, that will eventually entomb people. Test the spirit. God has put loved ones in your life. He's put coworkers. He's put friends. He's put neighbors. Some of them say they follow Jesus. Test them for their soul's sake. Measure what they're saying up against Scripture. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for this book that we have that we can base our faith on, the truths that we find in it. I thank you for John's heart in our passage I thank you that he went hard after the truth and he's calling us to go hard after the truth, Lord. I pray that we will be willing to test whether something is the truth, whether someone has the Holy Spirit or they're entertaining the spirit of Antichrist, Lord. I pray for our church. I pray that we will always stand on the truths of your word and that we won't be lulled to sleep.